The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The Michael Duke Show. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Baby, Firearms Friday, your chance to sound off on issues of a 2A nature right here on the Michael Duke Show. Broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator and around the world via the internet at uh, MichaelDukeShow.com where you'll find the audio only live stream and of course on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch the whole shebang that's what it's all about this morning welcome to the program thanks for coming in and joining us we are uh getting ready to dive into it today got some uh good stuff coming up um our guest this morning um will be in uh, just a few minutes in fact will be joined by dr john lott from the crime prevention research center we're going to talk with him about his latest piece Um, that circulates around the idea of uh, defensive gun use. He had a a piece that uh, was up the other day in Real Clear Investigations talking about how the FBI undercounts the armed citizen responders to mass... um, to mass killers and more, and that will play deeper into the discussion about uh, defensive gun uses as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. That's uh, coming up here in just a bit, again, with Dr. John John Lott, uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see what... uh, uh, we'll see what he has to say. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just making sure that I've got everything up in front of me. All right. <clears throat> yeah, baby. You ready to uh, go over uh, everything and talk about it? Today is Firearms Friday, which is our chance to basically sound off uh, on issues of a uh, 2A nature. We'll talk about uh, guns and gun rights and gun laws and uh little bit of everything we kind of we kind of save everything uh this is one of my favorite topics and we kind of save it for one day of the week where we can uh, kind of focus in on it and talk about it and uh see what uh see what's being said uh, about everything so i'm looking forward to um uh kind of sitting down with you guys and going over it later on in the program we will open up the phone lines for what we like to call Q&A questions and answers and it's gun Q&A so anything that's related to firearms or the second amendment this is where we talk about it <clears throat> and uh, we're going to dive down into that here in just a bit and uh, get down to it and uh, we'll see what uh We'll see what comes of it. We'll see what 
uh, comes of it, and uh, we'll we'll get some uh, we'll get some good in- intake from you. That's going into hour two, and then of course, as always, we will finish up with our friend Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com, who will come in and give us our entertainment report, and uh, he's got. Um, he's got some of the entertainment news and some movie and or um, some movie and or uh, uh, streaming reviews because you know everything's cha- everything's changing these days. You can't you can't keep track of it. We're gonna we're gonna figure it out and uh, we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get some stuff changed around for the streams as well. So um, I, uh, I I want to. Uh, I, I don't even know where to start today, quite honestly, uh, in the in the gun news category. I mean, I might start with the fact that the I don't know if you saw uh, Representative Thomas Massey's uh, tweets um, earlier this week. Uh, Thomas Massey, um, he uh, he posted some tweets up onto his uh, Twitter account that were pictures that uh, quite honestly well this is this is this was his this was his quote on the on the tw- this was his tweet uh, along with the pictures these are not auditions for the next police academy sequel this is an actual IRS recruiting program and it's a picture of a bunch of people um smiling and laughing wearing uh, uh, tactical vests with IRS CID police on the front of them, using fake guns and pointing them at each other. I mean, this is not, I'm not kidding. This is that, including one who is uh, apparently in a wheelchair, pointing at somebody with their hands behind their back and smiling like this is the best thing ever. Um, this, I mean, I'm, I, you can't make this stuff up. This is what's going on. Uh, you, of course, have heard that the IRS is going to uh, start arming all their agents and that they were, in fact, looking for 87,000 new agents um, <clears throat> and that they now that they have taken it down now. But there was a caveat on their website that sought people who were specifically willing to use deadly force. They, I mean, this was what they were looking for in the job description. For the people that they were looking for, which made people answer, you know, they made it legitimately made people ask the question, what? I mean, what? This is, I mean, this is what we were talking about. I mean, um, that this is a a tax collection agency that is now out there, uh, you know, $700,000 for ammunition, 87,000 new employees. A caveat on their website where they were looking for new employees saying that they were willing to use deadly force. And then you get these pictures. And um, the I mean, these pictures are uh, I mean, I just don't even know what to say. It is definitely um, it is definitely a uh, an interesting an interesting scenario. Uh, we, We could I think I think that's. Safe enough to say, um, uh, some of these pictures just kind of make you go, what is going on? And they, of course, uh, you know, pointing guns at each other and, um, 
this is this is what the government is working on right now. This is their whole deal. This is exactly what they're. <clears throat> this is the IRS recruiting program. So, just in case you were wondering, nothing to see here. Move along. Move along. <laughs> I mean, this is this is not it's it's not a training course. Apparently, it was apparently a program designated to uh, and designed to provide candidates with a glimpse of what the job would actually be like. But I mean, again, if that's what they're thinking that their day to day job is, is that they're going to come down with guns drawn on average Americans. Okay, <clears throat> I'm wondering if that's really, really what we want in America today. But uh, I mean, I'm, there you go. Uh, Smith and Wesson uh, in front of the uh, course on the hot seat again. Um, the headlines are uh, are amazing. Uh, Smith and Wesson CEO faces backlash after he blamed politicians for gun violence. This is the this is the headline from MS or for CNBC. Um, but most Americans are probably completely oblivious to the House Oversight Committee hearings that have been targeting gunmakers recently. Um, Carolyn Maloney, who is the oversight chairwoman, issued a congressional subpoena against Smith & Wesson because the CEO declined to appear before the committee. Now, what most people don't know was that prior to this, CEO, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Smith & Wesson and the CEO had been very cooperative about this whole deal. They had been very cooperative in attending and only balked when uh, Carolyn McCarthy uh, started asking for information that had absolutely nothing to do uh, with, uh, with any kind of legislative purpose. The only criticism, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the only other criticism of Smith & Wesson that had been documented by CNBC was a brief comment by an executive from Everytown for Gun Safety who accused the company of being scared to testify. But again, Smith & Wesson apparently had been cooperating with the House Oversight Committee, according to the Wall Street Journal, until Maloney started demanding all kinds of data that served no legislative purpose whatsoever. Uh, one of the other things that Maloney and her cronies started going on and on about is that, well, this was a billion-dollar industry. The CEO of Smith & Wesson refused to testify before my committee and faces the families who've lost a loved one because of his company's weapons of war. The committee will not permit Smith & Wesson to dodge accountability or obscure the gun industry's role in fueling our nation's gun violence epidemic. CNBC went on to say the Oversight Committee has been investigating America's firearms industry. According to the panel, major gun manufacturers, including Smith & Wesson, have made over a billion dollars in the last decade selling military-style weapons through allegedly manipulative marketing practices. They act like a billion dollars. That's five major gun companies over 10 years made a billion dollars together. Five over a 10-year period. Again, uh, Tom Knighton did over it, but Bearing Arms points out that, that the cannabis sales, for example, were estimated at $25 billion last year. Even the kombucha market is valued at more than $2.5 billion per year. But then again, she's not trying to put big kombucha out of business, or she's not running for re-election vowing to crack down on the cannabis industry. 
And what about the alcohol industry? What about many other a billion dollars over 10 years? Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's just that's a tremendous amount of money, a billion dollars over. It's $100 million a year. $100 million a year. And you've got all these other ones, but this is the one that she's going to be focusing on. Carolyn Maloney. It reminds me of uh, Carolyn McCarthy. She's the shoulder thing that went up lady that was talking to Tucker Carlson back in the day. Uh, I mean, this is a, I mean, it's such a witch hunt. And they could, look, they can see it right now. They know with the decision of Bruin and everything else, gun, uh, gun control folks can feel the narrative and the ball slipping from their fingers and they're willing to try anything. Uh, including David Shipman. Remember David Shipman? He was being um, he was being he'd been nominated to be the head of the ATF, and yet he wouldn't answer any questions and couldn't define what an assault rifle or assault weapon was and everything else. Well, apparently he's got no problem. Uh, he's got no problem describing it now. Now that he's no longer up for uh, nomination as the head of the ATF. He said um, he can. Uh, he knows exactly. He says the AR-15 and AK-47 are identical to military guns except for the full auto function. He said he can. He can define what those are. He's he's quite a bit more forthcoming about using the agency to regulate everything he considers an assault weapon under the National Firearms Act, meaning that they would treat any semi-automatic rifle that has whatever descriptive or cosmetic parts that he wants that they would be under the National Firearms Act, so it would be treating it like a short-barreled rifle or a short-barreled shotgun, where the government would have to give you permission. You'd have to pay a $200 tax per firearm to do it. He's still advocating that they should be regulated under the 1934 National Firearms Act. He, I mean, this is just, you know, they're, they're, this, is, this is crazy, but look, this is what's happening. Since the SCOTUS decision, they are willing to do almost anything to try and capture the narrative back. And this is just one more example of that as we go through. All right, we're coming up on the break. We're going to uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, Dr. John Lott will be with us. We'll talk about his latest article over at Real Clear Investigations about the underplaying of um, undercounting of armed citizen responders to mass killers. And I think that that will lead into a discussion about defensive gun use and more. That's my hope anyway. The Michael Luke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Oh. Good morning. What is the length of pull in a Yugo M70 underfolder? You know, I don't know. I've never actually measured it, Daniel. I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, 
Um, it's comfortable to me. One of my favorite one of my favorite firearms is the M70 underfolder. I would have to get a tape measure out to figure out what the length of pull is on it. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Rain, rain, go the hell away, but moose season is close. Yeah, it's uh, this has been the wettest August since they started recording it. Um, uh, also, good call by Willie on the everything, everywhere, all at once. I haven't watched it yet. I, I it was on my list, and I was going to try it last weekend, and I didn't get around to it, so... I'm going to have to watch it here, uh, Daniel. I've been wanting to uh, watch it for sure. Um, uh, good morning, good morning. They will only arm those whose job description includes field work. It's only about 30% of the total employee pool. Okay, so that's good. I mean, only about uh, twenty what 26,000 people then. 26,000 new armed agents. Uh I mean, don't worry about it. It's only 30% of the 90,000 that they're hiring. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How is everybody doing this morning? You guys all ready? Well, I suppose I should get Dr. John Lott on the phone. Let's get it going on. John Lott. Good morning, Dr. Lott. Michael Duke's calling this morning. Hey, how you doing, Michael? Good, sir. Good. How are you? Are you uh, following along with our ranked choice voting madness up here I, uh, on the whole Murkowski thing? Uh, well, yeah, following along some, not so much the ranked choice voting. I'm not sh sure why you guys felt it was necessary to change the system there. <clears throat> well, you got to understand the backstory there. The people who were behind it, Scott Kendall, Jason Grant, and others, uh, are former and current Murkowski um, people, uh, I mean, councils, uh, assistant campaign managers, communications directors, they're the ones that formed the group, the Better Elections, Alaskans for Better Elections, that pushed the ranked choice voting onto Alaskans and then sold it as a way to eliminate dark money. Um, but it's come out now, Veritas has done some videos, and anybody who is really paying attention knows that this was all about preventing Lisa Murkowski from having to go back through another primary because he knew she would lose. Right. And so, yeah, so it's a backdoor, it's a backdoor attempt to get Murkowski back in the, uh, back in the saddle. I guess I don't see what ranked choice voting has to do per se with getting rid of dark money i mean that those are two different issues well they actually that was part of the problem is that the the, the provision the ballot measure actually violated the single rule uh clause and our lieutenant governor was complicit in not in not stopping it for that reason alone it did eliminate some of the dark money provisions in the state law but not all of them not those that were regulating ballot measures ironically enough but their whole campaign 
was based on, do you want to get rid of dark money in Alaska? That was their whole ad campaign. Uh, and the ranked choice voting was almost beside the fact, but they knew that was the yeah. one component that they needed to keep Murkowski out of a party primary. Right. Well, um, it's pretty clear she would have lost oh, uh, given the vote. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's very clear. I mean, just like she did, in, like I said, this has been going on since 2010 where she's been capitulating and courting the Democrats for those votes. That's how she won the write-in campaign. <laughs> Back in uh, back in 2010. All right. Well, we're about to jump into this, Doctor. I got your uh, article up that you had sent me previously. We'll talk about that. Please hold the line. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Folks, if you're out there, like and share, like and follow, hit subscribe. Let's get to it. All right, welcome back to the program. It is Firearms Friday, your chance to talk about issues related to the Second Amendment. Joining us on the program this morning uh, for discussions is Dr. John Lott, who is the author of many books, including The War on Guns, More Guns, Less Crime. He writes for all different kinds of news outlets, um, including uh, his latest piece, which is now up on Real Clear Investigations, one of his latest pieces. Um, this came out just over a week ago, uh, and it uh, it kind of dovetails nicely into one of the things that I like to talk about, which is defensive gun use. The title of this article is How the FBI Undercounts Armed Citizens Responders to Mass Killers and How the Media Plays Along. Dr. John Lott joins us uh, this morning to discuss it. Good morning, doctor. How are you? Doing great, Michael. Good to talk to you again. Yes, thanks for coming on board. I appreciate it and uh, appreciate you sending me this article. This is a really clear uh, outlook as to why, I mean, I think how the news media is kind of complicit in furthering this uh, mantra of, well, there's not enough good guys with the guns. Oh, it doesn't really matter. It's, you know, just leave it up to the police. And uh, so I want to, can you walk us through this article from start to finish here and kind of give us an idea of, uh, you know, w- you know, the genesis of this and then uh, and lay it out for us? Sure. <clears throat> well, um, just uh, recently, we had an incident in uh, Indianapolis where there was an attempted mass public shooting at uh, a mall. Uh, some people were, in fact, killed, but there was uh, a law-abiding young man who was legally carrying a concealed handgun who quickly intervened uh, and stopped it from being worse. The murderer in this case still had about 125 rounds of ammunition. Uh, when he was stopped. So God only knows what types of havoc that he would have been able to create. But what made this story unusual is that the fact that the law-abiding citizen who stopped the attack got national news coverage, because I've seen time after time after time similar incidents, and they'll just get local news coverage. And so... um, you know, immediately afterwards, though, you had uh, national media going out there and saying, well, you know, this was very unusual. This just doesn't happen with regard to citizens stopping these types of attacks. And, of course, then you'd have 
<clears throat> all these other experts getting on there being interviewed saying, well, um, you know, it's a dangerous thing to let people like this uh, stop these attacks because they'll act likely accidentally shoot bystanders and what have you. So we've been collecting uh, these incidents where civilians have stopped what would have been mass public shootings. Uh, one of the things that happened was the Associated Press, the Washington Post, New York Times, and you name it, uh, other news outlets start citing uh, reports from the FBI on active shooting cases. Active shootings are are much broader than mass public shootings. These are cases where a gun's fired in public, not involving some other type of crime, uh, and um, you know, it may just be your somebody's just trying to shoot one person, right? Uh, and uh, so, the FBI claims that from 2014 through 2021, over those eight years, uh, there were 11 cases where civilians stopped what otherwise were active shooting instances. I. I can give uh, examples of 41 such cases. And again, I'm only looking at places where police have said a mass public shooting. So I'm much narrower. So if you were to use the same definition as the FBI, I'm sure it'd be a lot more cases than the 41 that's there. Um, but, you know, there's a huge gap between 41 and 11. Um, and, uh, you know, just I for the Associated Press uh, reporter, I contacted him, said, look, uh, the report that you're looking at is missing lots of cases. Uh, here is a list of them as long as well as news links to them. So you can double, double check. I got an email back from him saying, well, uh, he uh, had accurately reported what the FBI said, so there was no reason to uh, update or correct his story that was there. <laughs> uh, and uh, well, the so, FBI uh, and even the FBI is acknowledging that they're pulling the information. They actually have an outside source that collates that information for them and gives them to them. And you're saying that the, the you know they're missing some of these things, and the FBI even acknowledges that the report is not exhaustive, right? Yeah, well, and the people that they hire at Texas State University to put it together acknowledge that it's not uh, exhaustive. I, I, one other part of the story is I've approached the FBI in the past about these missing cases. Uh, I did so about five years ago, and I did so again when I was working at the Department of Justice up until January last year. And, and the uh, thing that's upsetting is that the FBI, even when you can get them to acknowledge that they're missing particular cases, they refuse to fix their list. And, uh, uh, you know, it's they know how their sources are being used by the media. They know how their sources, their their reports are being used in court cases around the country. And yet, uh, they refuse to update it, even when they privately acknowledge or in, email, in writing acknowledge that they're missing particular cases that are there. And so, you know, it's just it's just disappointing that uh, 
you know, the FBI is like this. And at the same time, uh, the media isn't interested in, in checking this, too. Well, and as is pointed out by Gary Mauser in your article, uh, I mean, the question is, is this deliberate bias or just incompetence? I mean, that that's the I mean, that's the major question here, because, as you said, the FBI and and, you know, bureaucratic officials know how this data is being used by the mainstream media. And when presented with alternate uh, or additional facts in this case uh, that would tip the balance in the other direction, they balk at that. That I mean, to me, that that falls heavily in the camp of deliberate thorough bias. Yeah, no. Well, in fact, unfortunately, I've come to believe that it's pretty clear bias. Um, you know, if, uh, I one of the things that's been most shocking when I've been working in the Department of Justice is just how across a range of different issues, uh, the FBI basically stonewalls you getting data that they think might be uh, damaging to political causes on the left. Um, and how I actually even had, uh, when I was arguing with people about inaccuracies in data, have FBI data people respond to me, well, I'm a Democrat, as if somehow that's a useful response when you're going and pointing out errors in data. What? But, uh, <laughs> what? I mean, I'm a Democrat. So the facts are different for you. Is that is that how it works? The facts are complete. I mean, if I, if you were a Republican, it would be a different thing. Is that is that the? I can't believe somebody actually said that. Well, I've had it uh, actually a couple times. Uh, different people have said that. Uh, you know, I worked in the federal government in the 1980s, and I worked more recently. Uh, and. In the 1980s, if I pointed out data errors to somebody, they would fix it. Uh, now, it doesn't seem to be that way. And as I say, I've pointed out these types of errors. Nobody needs to take my word for it. Right. Um, we list out the cases uh, and their links so people can check the underlying news stories. Look, police don't put this data together. What? What Texas State University people did was they'd go back and look through news stories. And it could be, you know, they just don't look very hard or, uh, you know, they make mistakes or don't really search under enough different search terms to go and, and catch all the cases. Those things are possible. But then you would hope when, uh, when uh, you know, mistakes are pointed out, they'll be fixed. Right. Unfortunately, uh, the FBI people uh, just aren't willing to do that. And look, it's not just missing cases. It's actually kind of misreporting even some of the cases that they have. So you have things like uh, the Texas uh, Fort Worth uh, church shooting uh, from the end of 2019, where um, uh, parishioners at the church who had concealed handgun permits uh, stopped uh, a murder who is there, who was shooting at um, uh, other parishioners. And, you know, the FBI wants to classify that as uh, security guards who are there. Uh, these guys were just regular parishioners. They didn't even keep track of who was carrying concealed handguns at the place. The uh, I interviewed the individual who actually fired the shot that killed the attacker there. 
And uh, and he tells me they don't know exactly how many other parishioners were caring, but someplace between 18 and 20. All I can say is that murderer picked the wrong church to go after right. with that many people carrying uh, concealed handguns. Right. So, you know, and there are other ca- similar cases where they misreported what was going on. They wanted to classify uh regular citizens carrying concealed handguns as security guards so that they wouldn't have to classify them as civilians stopping the attacks. So they basically don't want to show that it is possible that an armed citizen can, you know, a good guy with a gun can stop a bad guy with a gun, and they want to downplay that. And, of course, you highlight that at the beginning of your article with all the various headlines that talk about rare in the U.S. for an active shooter to be stopped by a bystander. Rare. I mean, they keep using the rare. Uh, It's such a rare thing to happen. But a good guy with a gun stopping a bad guy with a gun in well in mass shootings is is not as rare as they would have you to believe and that actually leads us into the next uh, segment which i want to talk to you about real quick which kind of splays off of this which is dgu defensive gun use because i know that you've had you've had some insight and some looks into this over the years and that's one thing that in this whole ball of wax that we don't talk about very much is the actual defensive gun uses that in many instances do not require the gun to be fired at all. Um, And that's something that the news media definitely wants to ignore. Uh, Dr. John Lott is our guest. He is the author of the book, More Guns, Less Crime, The War on Guns, and many others. He's also the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. You can find them at crimeresearch.org. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue with him. We'll talk about the remainder of this article that he has up in real clear investigations right now. I'm going to post that up in the uh, post that up on the uh, uh, in the show on the Facebook and YouTube, and uh, then we will uh, uh, talk a little bit about that defensive gun use as well. We'll return in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Somebody in the chat room, Dr. Lott, just made a a great observation, and uh, and I think that uh, I think that it plays out. And you've probably seen this more than anybody with your work as a statistician. Uh, Laura says, "Data is only as good as the data takers, and reflects the data takers' bias." Um, but as you said, it used to be back in the past that if bad data was shown, or if somebody you know if somebody said this is missing. Then it would be fixed, but it's become more now almost of a religious thing than anything else. You can't you can't challenge the dogmatic data that I brought forward uh, uh, because it just doesn't fit my narrative. And so I won't take it in. And that, I think, is a major problem with what we've got going on here. Right. Well, and, and you know, if you control the data, you can control the whole debate on different types of issues. Uh if the government puts out bad data, you know, academics, when they go and do studies, their studies are going to be biased if the data is biased. Uh, 
And unfortunately, a lot of the academics just go and take the data that's they're given from the FBI and don't understand how it's put together or what the problems are with it. Yeah. Well, no. And I, and I think that's the exact that's the exact example here that you're throwing out there that basically the AP reporter said, well, we reported the data that we received. And so there's no change necessary. Our, we cited the specific research from the Texas State University over a 20 year period, and that reporting was accurate. Well, the reporting may have been accurate, but if the original report, the original exactly. numbers wasn't accurate, then the whole thing is then skewed out. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that, but, but if it fits their narrative, they're not really interested in kind of delving into uh, the problems that are there. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. And, and again, I'd like to highlight something else that you said earlier that when we first, you first started talking about the numbers, um, the FBI reported that 4.4% of active shooter incidents were thwarted by armed citizens, and they were using broad, broad definitions of active shooters. You found even just in the mass shootings, you know, f- four, five, six times that number just in the active shootings, let alone broadening your category out to what they were calling active shooter incidents, right? Because you were focusing on mass shootings. They were focusing on active shooters. That's right. I was I was looking at cases where uh, where police have said many people would have been killed if it wasn't for the presence of a concealed carry permit holder. They were looking at cases where guns fired in public and maybe nobody's wounded even, uh, and maybe only one person's threatened. Uh, so that there's no chance it could have turned into a mass public shooting, and that wouldn't have been included. And you know, as anybody would guess. You have instances where maybe only one person's threatened. They're going to be a lot more common right. than instances where you're going to have a lot of people threatened. Right. Well, and again, if they are unwilling, and and I I had to laugh because you you posted uh, the you sent an email uh, and reached out to the Advanced Law Enforcement Rapid Response Training Center, which is the state uh, Texas State University department that collates all this information for the FBI. And I had to laugh because the 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 at the end of the uh, at the end of the letter she said uh, that she'd sent this uh, excuse me uh, the, this gentleman uh, sent a, sent all the information to the FBI and he said well, I'm sure you know the FBI active shooter reports are released on an annual basis my assumption is that any amendment retroactively adding cases will likely be included in a release with the annual so. They're they're throwing it together. They're throwing it up the line, but then they're just like, well, we assume that they'll amend the numbers, but there's no guarantee of any of that when it's been brought to light. Yeah, well, uh, that's the problem, and uh, you know, it's just it's something that informs the debate. I mean, these are headlines in different newspapers and different uh, media outlets across the country. I mean, the Associated Press gets picked up by literally hundreds of newspapers, not only in the United States, but around the world. And it has a real impact on the debate that's there. And unfortunately, you know, I think that's part of the reason why they don't want to fix it. Right. No, because again, as you said earlier, it doesn't fit or match 
the narrative that they built up or that they're working on uh, in their stories or in their papers. I mean, again, just the headlines are all it's so rare. It's so rare. It's so it's amazing. This is this is unbelievable. This is rare. Nobody does this. This never happens. Yet we could point to Sutherland Springs. We could point to I mean, again, 41 just in your look at mass shootings, let alone uh, just general shootings, active shooter uh, situations in general. So, um, I mean, I can think of a half a dozen right off the top of my head uh, that uh, that happened. But as you said, they also don't get any news media coverage outside of their local areas, which I think, again, it's because that narrative of a good guy with a gun stopping a bad guy with a gun doesn't fit the national media narrative to begin with. Which leads us again into this discussion of defensive gun use. And we're about to rejoin the radio, so let's go back over there. Folks, if you're enjoying on YouTube or on uh, Facebook, please like and share. Like and follow the show page. Go check out crimeresearch.org for more information. Let's get back to it. Here we go. All right, we're continuing now. Dr. John Lott is our guest, author of the book uh, War on Guns, More Guns, Less Crime, and many others. Also president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, uh, where he pulls lots of information together and then writes articles for various news outlets, uh, CNN, Fox News, uh, and this latest piece in Real Clear Investigations that talks about how the FBI is undercounting armed citizen responders to mass shootings and how the media just goes along with it and in fact just ignores any uh, you know any time you point out that something is wrong that that's what it is uh, but Dr. Lott, this leads me to a bigger question you and I have had this discussion before but many times it's a it's an under it's a it's an underdiscussed uh, topic which is DGU defensive gun use and that's any time that a firearm is used to defend someone or something from some form of crime and, and in fact Many instances of defensive gun use require merely the presence of a firearm, no firing, no shooting, nothing. Just the presentment of the firearm usually stops many of these crimes. And when we start talking about gun crimes in America, this is one of the statistics that nobody really seems to want to talk about. Right. Look, the vast majority of defensive gun use is simply involved brandishing a gun. Uh, and you get an idea of you know, places like the Gun Violence Archive, which will say, look, there's only a couple thousand defensive gun uses a year because they rely on news stories there. If you break down the news stories, what you find is that most of the news stories involve cases where the criminal's been killed. Close behind are cases when the criminal's been shot and wounded. Uh, and only about 4% of news stories involve instances where guns are brandished uh, to go and stop the attack. And most of those uh, involve cases where the criminal's been held at gunpoint until the police arrive. Right. And, and you know, if anything, the opposite's true. Our, our surveys and stuff indicate that about 95% of the time that people use guns defensively, uh, they're used simply brandishing guns sufficient. So, but look, it's easy to understand why the media 
covers these things the way they do. If you uh, are editor of a news bureau and you have two stories, in one case, there's a dead body on the ground. Uh, in another case, let's say a woman brandishes a gun, the would-be attacker runs away, no shots are fired, nobody's shot. Uh, you're not even sure what crime would have been committed if the woman hadn't been able to brandish a gun. Um, what story are you going to cover? It's, you know, the old adage, if it bleeds, it leads. Right. Uh, the dead body is much more likely to get news coverage than an instance where somebody, you know, a woman brandishes a gun and you're not even sure what crime would have been committed. Right. So, uh, but, uh, you know... <laughs> The gap between the 95 percent of the time that guns are used to stop crime with, you know, by simple brandishing and the only four percent of the news stories involving brandishing. And those are somewhat unusual instances, even of that. You know, you get an idea of just even if the media knows about it, they're unlikely to go and cover uh, a huge portion of those defensive gun uses. Right. Uh, so you're saying that 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 uh, you know uh, two thousand cases are underreporting by a, a factor of twenty. Uh, what we know is actually happening out there, and so um, you know it's just it's just one example. I have to bring up one other point, and that is. Uh, one of the things I try to make clear in the real clear investigations piece is it's just not the fact that they're missing uh, instances where uh, uh, people have used guns to stop mass public shootings, let alone active shooting cases. You also have to take into account where the attack occurred. Overwhelmingly, these attacks keep on occurring in places where guns are banned. And <clears throat> You can't expect a law-abiding citizen uh, to go and say, well, the guns are banned here, but I'm going to take my gun in anyway and, right. and count that as, uh, you know, a defensive gun use not occurring. But the FBI refuses to distinguish between those two different types of cases. So when they go and they say only 4% of uh, these active shooting cases are stopped by civilians with guns uh, and therefore make it sound very rare. You know, it's not just the 15% when you go and include the cases that they're missing, but you also have to realize that you should only be looking at places where guns are allowed for seeing the rate. And when you do that, you find that about 40% of, of attacks, these active shooting attacks are stopped by citizens with guns. And again, this is undercounting those cases. Even that's a very conservative estimate for the point that we're talking about, that my cases that I have that I'm saying they're missing are instances where a mass public shooting would have occurred. And they're looking at a much broader definition where, you know, a gun may be fired and only one person was threatened. So, you know, even that 40% is uh, an underestimate, and it's pretty hard, even if you take the 40%, to go and say that that's rare. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting that the owner of the mall in Greenwood specifically, um, they at least had the common sense to 
uh, thank and praise uh, Dickens for stopping this mass shooter, even though the published policy of the mall was that no firearms were to be brought in there. They at least had the common sense and courtesy to say thank you to Dickens for stopping this uh, stop. And they obviously are not prosecuting him for bringing a firearm onto their property. Um, so the, the irony of that was not lost on me in that instance. Well, uh, so uh, private property owners in Indiana can post signs banning uh, people carrying guns. It's a trespass offense. You basically have to warn somebody. And then if they refuse to go and follow your uh, warning there, then you can go and charge them with the crime. Right. But he was not warned. So he couldn't actually be prosecuted, I guess. The thing that's disappointing to me is I don't I haven't seen the mall change its policies. I mean, private property owners can decide to do whatever they want to do with their property. I can disagree with them and think that they're making mistakes. But you'd like to see the mall in that case kind of learn from their mistake and say, geez, you know, maybe we should distinguish between somebody who's legally carrying a gun and somebody who is not legally carrying a gun. Right. And, Maybe a sign that said concealed carry permit holders welcome or something along that lines or uh, concealed carry, exactly. you know, concealed carry welcome in the mall or something. I mean, you've talked about it in the past. There have been actual uh, active shooters or, or mass shooters who have actually written in their journals and in other planning documents that have said that they're targeting places exactly. specifically because they're looking for a place that's a soft target. No, that's exactly. I mean, and that's a real example of media bias that's there because, uh, you know, you take something like uh, the uh, Buffalo uh, murder, mass murder earlier this year. In his manifesto, he spends a great deal of time talking about why he picked the target that he did. And right up at the top of the list of reasons is he wanted to go to a place where he knew his victims would not have guns for protection. You know, so it's, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, you think the media and all of its coverage about the motivations for the guy doing it uh, and all their discussions about uh, gun control would at least mention once, but you, you will search in vain, but at least mention once that, he wanted to pick a target where he knew his victims would not have concealed handguns for protection. Right. And, and, and that's unfortunately not the only case. As you say, on our website at crimeresearch.org, we have a long list of cases where these murderers have listed in their diaries and manifestos and other statements why they picked the target that they did. These guys may be crazy in some sense, but they're not stupid. Their goal, they want to commit suicide, but they want to commit suicide in a way that people will know they were here. And so they want to go and get media attention. That's their goal is to get media attention. And they know the more people they kill, the more media attention that they're going to be able to go and get. And so what do they do? They go to a place where their victims are not able to defend themselves because that right. makes it more likely that they're going to be able to go and kill more people. So. I'm not going to talk about getting rid of the First Amendment or rewriting it in some way. I'm not going to talk about censoring the press, but it still gives us an insight into what can be done to stop these attacks. And the way you stop it 
is you take away the media attention. And the way you take away the media attention is you greatly limit the number of people they can harm. You take the Indianapolis case. The guy still had something like 125 rounds of ammunition on him when he was uh, stopped by Elijah. Right. God only knows how many more people he would have killed if Elijah hadn't stopped him within 15 seconds of the start of the attack. And, you know, um, uh, so if you, you stop these attacks by getting somebody there quickly with the gun to be able to go and stop them. And the thing is, so much of the media, so much uh, the, the call is, well, you need to have an armed police officer in uniform. The thing is, uh, having one person in uniform there, they face an almost impossible task. Right. Because if you have one person there in uniform and he's the only person that's armed, who do you think the attackers take out first? Right. They because are, they know. Yeah, they are target, they they're target number one at that point, for sure. Uh, Dr. Lott, I'm sorry I'm up against the break here. I got to go. Thank you for coming on board. Hold the line for us for just a second. Folks, uh, we'll continue with more of the Michael Duke Show. Hour two dead ahead. Firearms Friday. We'll open up the phone lines, talk with you about this and other topics. Back with more right after this. Uh, I want to come back to this real quick, uh, just allow you to finish your thought, because you're right. Uh, I mean, if if you're a police officer or a security guard and you're armed in your fancy suit and uniform and some guy comes in with a concealed rifle or something else, who's going to be the first person that they're going to shoot? You know, the one guy that's visibly armed that's going to be the one stumbling block to their master plan. Uh, but you could have a dozen people armed in there. I mean, that goes back to the church shooting you were talking about earlier. They didn't even know how many people were armed in there. The guy chose poorly at that response because nobody knew because concealed is concealed, right? No, exactly. And the thing is, people have to understand is that when you allow civilians with concealed handguns uh, to be able to go and be in a place, they make others safer. Because the thing is, you know, when the person attacks that one police officer, he reveals his position. And now he has right. to worry that there may be somebody behind him or to the side who he can't identify beforehand, who's going to be able to step up and, and stop him. And and that makes this risky job of this police officer much safer. If you're going to put police officers in schools, my advice is you should not have them in uniform. You should have them blend in there in a job so that they're not readily identifiable as uh, as uh, police. You know, have them as the PE coach or something else that's there um, so that the attackers won't know who it is that they have to take out first. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, because that makes the most sense. Uh, it's, uh, it's in giving them that uncertainty, even in of itself would be a deterrent for some of these guys based on, as you were saying, their manifestos and diaries. If they're unsure that there's a half a dozen people in a crowd of 50 that may be armed, that makes it a lot less likely. They're likely to go for a softer target and they may just even not do it because they're unsure if they'll get enough, you know, they'll get enough headline blood to be able to 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 go out in, in their blaze of glory that they were looking for. Yeah, I mean, 
it's so obvious. These guys keep on making statements. If I can only kill more people than such and such did, I can get even more media attention. You look at something like the Sandy Hook killer. He had done what police described as a doctoral dissertation. He had looked at mass uh, public shootings over the previous 40 years. And he apparently had graphed out the relationship between the number of people killed and the amount of media attention that they got, proving right. to himself that if he could go and kill more people, he'd get even more media attention. And apparently, according to one police report, he wanted to go and kill more people than the Norway killer had killed because the Norway killer had killed 67 people, which is more than any mass public shooting in the United States, because he wanted to get more worldwide media attention than the Norway killer had gotten. Right. Right. No, I mean, it's a sick, sick game, but that's just that's the way it is. And if the news media would stop fostering this and and I know if it bleeds, it leads. But at some point, there's got to be some responsibility amongst news media to say, OK, we can't have 24 seven wall to wall coverage on this for days afterwards. We should report on it the day of and then it should then it should move back to the back burner and and go on from there. Uh, but th- it's fueling this kind of uh, it's fueling this kind of attack because of the amount of. And in fact, I think you should not name their names other than maybe the first time you do it, you name their names and then you just call them the shooter from then on. Uh, not naming them takes away some of that power as well. Right. Uh, but I think even getting named at all, I mean, some of these guys, when you read their diaries, they'll say, look, I know because there's been times in the past where the media will kind of, at least some of the media will say, well, I'm not going to mention the names. They'll say, even if my name doesn't get mentioned in the news, I'm still going to be in the history books if I can kill a lot of people. That's crazy. And, uh, And, um, you know, these people who are committing suicide feel unappreciated and they just want people to know that they were here. And, you know, they're guys who are getting dates and what have you. And uh, we have to. um, uh, So I think really the only way you're going to be able to stop them isn't just look. If the media was responsible, what they would do is they would go and report on these guys picking gun-free zones. They would go and change the debate so that we would be trying to get rid of these gun-free zones rather than the rather than Democrats uh, pushing for more gun-free zones. Right. And because how quickly we can get people there to stop these attacks is how you stop them. Right. Look, we have 332 million people. In the United States, we have about 600,000 police. Um, You don't have much more than 200,000 police on the job at most at any one point in time. There's simply not enough police in the United States to go and protect all the possible targets that are there. Right. Again, if people in uniform, you have huge strategic advantages that these attackers have. They can either wait for the officer to leave the scene before they attack, or if they see an officer guarding one place, they can go and move on to another target themselves. Or as we say said earlier, if they want to go after a particular target and the officer's there, they take that officer out first before right. they go after the other people that are there. Well, Dr. Lott, I appreciate you coming on board and sharing all this info with us and uh, keep writing all this good stuff. I really appreciate you coming on board. Thank you for being part of it today. I appreciate it.
Well, thank you for being there and informing people. And um, anyway, I appreciate you. Thank you, very much. Thank you, Dr. Lott. Thank you. Dr. John Lott, Crime Prevention Research Center. You can find him at crimeresearch.org. That's where you go. All right, we're coming up on hour two. I think we're going to open up the phone lines here. We're going to talk about this. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Dukes Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Show. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday, your chance to sound off on issues of a two-way nature right here on The Michael Duke Show. Good morning and welcome to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. It is hour two of the big radio show for Friday. Uh, and yeah, we are, uh, we're here to talk about uh, firearms and gun rights and firearms laws. And we just finished up with um we just finished up with dr john lott who uh you probably have heard his most famous book is probably more guns less crime uh he's a statistician that slowly uh has uh, come around to the conclusion that uh, an armed society is the is a polite society essentially uh in the long and the short of it is and he has been writing now about uh, guns and gun statistics and mass shootings and uh all these things for many many years and uh, <clears throat> I think he brings up a lot of valid points, uh, not only in the underreporting of good guy statistics, as uh, we were pointing out in this article that he has in uh, Real Clear Investigations, which if you haven't gone out and uh, read it yet, I posted it up in the uh, I posted it up in the chat room this morning uh, on across all the streams. I'll post it one more time for those people that happen to miss it. Um, but it is an excellent article talking about the basically the inherent bias in both the news media and in the bureaucracy of law enforcement in the United States. Specifically, he's talking here about the FBI and their classification um, of who is a good guy with a gun versus who is a bad guy with a gun and who is just a security guard or who is just a regular old plain, you know, Joe Blow citizen. 
out there. But one of the highlights that Dr. Lott just finished up and talked to us about over the top of the hour was, again, this idea of the gun-free zone. If the news media, he said, was really really cared about stopping these things, and of course, I mean, I don't want to ascribe you know, feelings or uh, or intentions or motives to these folks. But, uh, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. There is a also a uh, a, uh, you know, kind of a, a bent and a bias in the news media as well. That is a leftward bias. I don't think that anybody would really disagree with that based on uh, the proclivities of the of uh, the majority of the mainstream news media, but because it doesn't fit into their narrative, they refuse to admit and look at and highlight the fact that many of these instances happen in gun-free zones, that the manifestos and the diaries and the writings and the planning documents of many of these uh, shooters talk specifically about finding a place where they will be uninterrupted, will not have citizens with guns to be able to stop them. Um, but that that would be a, a definitely a, um, a, a a fresh way to try and uh, basically slow down these instances of mass shootings. But again, I want to come back to the statistical fact that mass shootings still in America, as much as they get the headlines, as much ink as they soak up and as many clicks as they get, is still a statistically small sample of what's going on. Uh, with deaths and uh, and with violence in America. It, it's a vanishingly small. I mean, again, it's splashy. It gets the headlines. It's the stuff that's focused on. But when you look at the raw numbers and realize that, you know, you've got 100,000 people dying, uh, you know, in car crashes, when you've got, you know, uh, six, seven, eight hundred thousand people dying from medical malpractice, when you've got, I mean, just you could just go down the list and you realized that the number of that of all gun deaths, all gun, which includes suicides, which includes police shooting criminals and bad people, when you realize that all of those numbers you know, are, you know, in the 38 to 40,000 people range in a country of 303, uh, 332 million people. And again, two thirds of those numbers are suicides with only about what, 12 to 15,000 people actually being murdered in the country. You realize that it is such a small, again, each each individual, I don't want to I don't want somebody to say you're diminishing it. Each individual death is a tragedy. But at the same time, from a cold, logical, statistical, numerical value, you realize that it's a fraction of a fraction of the number of people in the country. And when you compare it to some of the other means of death. Um, you know, and you start talking about things like, you know, gun, long guns versus handguns versus uh, knives and fists and feet and blunt objects and everything else. And you realize it's a it's a small, small segment. But it's what the news media. It's what the uh, it's what the uh, the the law enforcement and the political talking heads are talking about day in and day out. That's what they're discussing. All right. I want to throw open the phone lines this morning. 
um, and see what you guys have to say on any of the topics that we've hit on this morning. It's basically been a lot about the mass shootings and, and the gun-free zones and the good guys with the guns and all that kind of stuff. I want to hear what you guys have to say. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Um, any gun topic is fair game today. We'll we'll take that. We're going to be talking with Willie Waffle up at the end of the show today to kind of lighten it up. We're going to have our weekend our weekend movie review. That's what's uh, coming up. So I want to uh, I want to uh, uh, encourage you to stick around uh, to stick around for that. Uh, I need to get uh, just realized that I needed to get the phone lines uh, all squared away. There's probably some people who are uh, hanging out there and uh, ready to go, uh, and I need to. Uh, I need to uh, uh, jump in there. We got a couple phone calls, in fact, right now. So we're going to jump over to the phone lines and see what you have to say. Feel free to sound off and give us the give us the rundown. This hour of the program being brought to you by our friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com uh, for all your communications need, whether it's satellite communication or cellular or VHF or you know carrier pigeon or whatever. They are the ones that have got this stuff that you need to know. Uh, so go out and check them out again at SatelliteWest.com. Let's go over to the phones here. We'll start things off with discussions with you for gun Q&A all day. Let's uh, go right here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Michael. It's your friend in Rhode Island. How you been? Well, hello, my friend. How are you doing this morning? Oh, very well. Uh, listen, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, the CEO of Smith & Wesson made mention that the, uh, you know, that the, uh, you know, that the uh, political decisions by those in those those driving the bus in these days in the political world, are the reason why we have such a high crime, and I I can't agree with them. I can't agree with them more. They're, he's absolutely right. He hit the nail directly on the head. But you know, above and beyond that, you know the uh, the fact that the uh, the political in current political environment, you know, is the increase in crime rates in the in you know in the country. Uh, also, you know, it, it boils down to you know the the ultimate motive of the, the woke left. You know, there. I mean, you look at what's going on. You know, they want to see eighty-seven thousand IRS agents are going to be armed, and they want to take the they want to abolish the Second Amendment and take private private ownership of firearms away. What does that tell you? I mean, that's more than obvious of what the game what the game of foot is here. Right. No, I mean, I, I mean, I would agree. I mean, what's the Anytime you start talking about it, uh, when you've got 87,000 new agents and they say must be willing to use deadly force in the descriptor of the course, and then they show all these pictures of these people um, that, I mean, this is not training. This is just like orientation and they're putting people in flak jackets and uh, and giving them, you know, uh, uh, blue guns to, to play with and point at each other. At some point, you got to be going, what exactly is going on here? Well, I mean, why? Why is this something that's necessary? And I, too, agree with what the CEO said, that basically a lot of this is being driven. Again, Fred, I was just talking about it. The statistics for the number of people who are killed with all guns, handguns, long guns, whatever, is is a fraction of what it is for people who are killed on the highways or drinking or, uh, you know, medical malpractice or plane. Cr- I mean, you could just go through all these things and say, this is a fraction of a fra- Why is this taking up all of the oxygen in the room? Well, you know, between the media, between the media 
who's woke, you know, I mean, they definitely got, they definitely got drafted into the, you know, the not, the not, you know, the, the BS crowd of, of the West and all the other things that are going on. And, you know, I think there's an under, there's a, I mentioned this before, you know, you said you, you mentioned last week or the week before, but you don't want to upset the, the middle, the middle, the middle ground people, you know, well, the thing is though, they have to be brought out, you know, they have to be brought up to speed as to what's actually going on. You know, I mean, we're being we're being we're being basically corralled into this social communist bullshit BS nonsense as to what they you know what they're what they're trying to push you know they're trying to get rid of the Constitution the Bill of Rights I mean today the Second Amendment tomorrow will be everything else including the first and you know we cannot stand for that you know that cannot stand November has to be a turning point and but you know we got to start putting the foot down now we cannot we, we can't allow this to exist and I don't care who would I don't care who it offends. You know, because it has to be, it has to be the truth. I have to believe that it is all fact, it's all truth, and you try to just turn your back because you don't want to offend anybody. Well, I'm being offended. Anybody who has any, who believes in having their rights is being offended. So the hell with them. Right. Well, and I don't want you to misread what I was saying there, Fred, when I'm talking about not offending the middle. What I'm talking about is not freaking out the straight people, right? Uh, We want, we, you know, we're looking for support and we're looking for more people to join the gun culture. And we have to show that to them, the the people who are kind of undecided in the middle, not pro-gun, not anti-gun. And we have to show that to them in a way that is appealing. I mean, there is a bit of heart and soul here. There is a bit of marketing. There is a bit of uh, people skills that are required. And so you can't just, you know, uh, you can't freak out the straight people is what I'm saying. You know, the the norms, the people in the middle, Um, you're never going to convince the anti-gun people, but those people who are in the middle, you can convince them. And I'm not talking about not making them angry. I'm talking about making them think and not alienating them with, uh, with rhetoric or something like that, that just makes them turn their minds off. That's what I'm talking about well i think i think just being just being just, just exposing them to the, the facts and the truth of the issue yep. when more than more be more than enough to convince them that you know they're 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 going under the bus too not only the conservatives and the second amendment supporters and the nra and everybody else being thrown under the bus by these woke by these woke idiots but you know these, you know they, everybody's going under the bus, you know, except yeah. for the ones that sit on the uh, the the you know the elite beautiful people, uh, <laughs> you know, grandstand. Yeah. You know, and you know, can't be allowed to exist. I mean, you know, where are my rights? Where are your rights? Where is anybody else's rights? Regardless of your political affiliation, you all have rights. And the name of the game is you can believe whatever you want to believe. In your own household, and do whatever you want within your own family and your own realm. However, when you start stepping on somebody else's right, that's where you draw the line. That's yeah. That's that's the line in the sand. Yeah. And you cross that, well, you know, yeah. all hell you and you open up. You're going to open up a real can of can of worms, and it's not going to go well. Oh, I agree. Anybody. Yeah, I agree but, with that. You know, I I agree with that, Fred, for sure. Uh, thank you for your call, my friend. I'm sorry I got to go. I've got one more call on hold that I have to get to here before we go to break. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Barbara Haney. I'm calling from North Pole. How you doing? Hello, Barbara. What's going on with you? Well, you know, the key to having good guys with guns is you got to train, right? And the uh, borough assembly uh, kind of approved some modifications to the shooting range so um, they've been closed so all you folks out there like me haven't been able to train for a while right um so so 
opening on Friday, August 26th, and they'll be open at 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., except Wednesdays. Okay. And uh, so next Friday, head on out there and get your guns out, you know, get some training in, and uh, of course, if you're going to go hunting, it's a good time to go test out your weapons, right? Right, Make right. Sure Sight in your rifles you know? and everything. What? Uh, yeah. Right. What modifications do they make to the range, Barbara? Do you know what was the what was the upgrades? Did they do some upgrades or something? I don't know. It looks like they did a lot of cleanup. Looks like they did a little bit of paving. Um, you know, it used to be just a gravel surface. Right. Um, I'm looking at because I don't have all the details of what they're doing, but. It uh, looks nicer. I don't know about from a shooting perspective if it matters much, but, um, you know, you get a little bit better steady footing. <clears throat> I guess, you know, if Kamsi uh, comes out, if you're out there hunting, you're probably not interested in training on a concrete pad, but, um, you know, if you're uh, a defensive shooter, just caring for personal protection, that, you know, might be helpful. Well, it'd be good. So, so the range has been uh, closed, and now it's going to be open August 26th. Um, at, uh, yes, at 8 a.m., right? Right, on South Cushman. That's the South Cushman This is range. the South Cushman know. Range, You yep. probably remember shooting there years ago. Oh, I've, I've shot, I've shot plenty of rounds at South Cushman and, and any improvements they could make would be welcome, uh, to that facility because it was pretty bare bones. So, uh, anything that they could change would definitely be good, but they do have a nice handgun side and they have a rifle side, uh, and, uh. So anyway, you guys can go check it out and get some get a chance to throw some lead down range. Uh, August twenty sixth. That's a week from today, down there at the Cushman mm-hmm. Range, uh, starting at eight a.m. eight a.m. to ten p.m. That's a pretty good setup. Right. All right. I think Wednesday mornings are closed for cleanup. So. Wednesday mornings are closed. Okay. And Barbara, I know that you sent me an an email, and it's Firearms Friday. But you have a you have something going on too, right? For your for your campaign meet and greet or something. Yeah. What's what's going on? Yeah, August thirtieth at Rocky McAdams uh, House. Uh, there's a fundraiser for myself and Brett Rodemond, and uh, boy, we sure would like to see folks out there. Um, I think Brett has Bulletproof Trailer. Yep, I think it's the name of his business. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I don't know what his what his memberships are or anything, but I'm a lifetime member of the NRA. I've been shooting for many years. So All right. And, uh, so that's August 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 thirtieth. Where can they find out about it quickly here? I'm almost out of time. Oh. Haney for FNSP dot com. Haney4FNSB.com. H-A-N-E-Y. All right. Barbara Haney, thank you so much for calling in, letting us know about the range. I appreciate that. Folks, we're out of time. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free Thinking Radio. Sorry, we were up against the break there. I'm a, you know... Sometimes I'm a little discouraged about this stuff. Um, I'm just looking at the number of, you know, all week we've been pushing upwards of 100 people in the chat room. A hunt, upwards of 100 people, between 75 and 100 people every day in the chat room. And here it is, Firearms Friday, my favorite day of the week. And there's 36 people between all the platforms. So Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, 36 people. 
And I'm trying to decide if that is a function of just, well, I don't know. I'm trying to decide if it's a function of just being Friday or just the people just don't care about fire. I mean, to, to me, as I've said, as I've said previously, um, you know, when I would go out and talk to people anecdotally, you know, I, I thought Firearms Friday was the most popular segment of the show because that's the first thing that they would say to me. Oh, I love your Firearms Friday. Oh, I love Firearms Friday. Oh, I love Firearms Friday. And yet the numbers, the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. Every Friday, it is a, about a third of what I normally get. Between a third and a half of what we normally have joining us in the chat room. So I don't know. I, I just I just don't know. It's weird. Uh, you know, I know there's certain people. Of course, Greg. Greg is going to love Firearms Friday. Greg is a gun guy. Um, But it's Friday and summer in Alaska, Tawny. But this happens in the winter, too. I mean, and what makes Friday different than any other day of the week in that regard? I, I don't know. I guess it's not this. It's not disappointing to me, but it's just it's weird. And I've done everything that I could. I didn't use the word gun or firearm in any of the descriptions of the videos. I guess the only thing that you could say is maybe they've got a smart algorithm because we are using the splash screen uh, where I am obviously holding a gun if you're looking at it. And it does say Firearms Friday on the thing there. But I don't know. Is it smart enough to know that? Is it smart enough to figure that out? Is it suppressing my notifications? Did everybody get notifications today? I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's just, it's odd to me. Because again, this is the day that I look forward to to where I really want to let my hair down and just kind of enjoy a discussion about firearms and gun rights and things like that. And it just seems like we're not reaching the amount of people that we could be reaching. You know what I mean? I guess, thank goodness, people are still uh, uh, people are still listening to the uh, radio. Mentally exhausted by Friday, says Brian. Uh, leaving for work, not abandoning the topic, says Tiffany. Well, I mean, I appreciate it. Again, I'm not I'm not mad or anything. I just I find it interesting. Uh, I mean, on Friday or on uh, Wednesday, it was Wednesday. It's like 106 people in the chat room, and here we are at 35. With 16 likes. So 35 of you who are watching have not even liked it. Well, half of the 35 have not even liked it. Some of you are on YouTube. I don't know. Do you know how well it does on the radio? Again, Brian, I have no idea. I mean, again, it's anecdotally. I mean, as I met people over the course of years who listen to the program and they would say, oh, I listen to you on the radio, blah, blah, blah. And I love Firearms Friday. I mean, it was... Again, uh, going into this, I thought, oh, man, that's the most popular segment of the show. I have no way of knowing how well it does on radio. No way of knowing. I mean, I guess, no, because it's by a weekly basis. Even when my show is playing on rated stations, um, you know, you can't pick out a single day, so to speak. But uh, anyway... It's, I mean, you, you got Arbitron numbers, but it's, uh, it's, uh, you usually can't pick it out by a single day. Okay. Um, there you go. Time to, time to jump back into it. 
All right, let's uh, let's get to it. The Michael Luke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow. Let's get it done. Here we go. All right, we're continuing now. It's Firearms Friday, one final segment here. As we continued on, uh, we've got Willie Waffle coming up here in just a bit, uh, but we're going to take some phone calls, and uh, I'm going to answer questions. Uh, we've got one line on hold. I'm going to get to them here in just a hot second. Um, you know, there's lots of questions out there. Uh, one of the things, uh, like Greg Collins said, how many CCW holders in the nation? Well, that's a hard number to quantify at this point, Greg, because as you know, um, many states, in fact, I think, is it 19 states now, uh, do not require a concealed carry permit to be able to carry concealed in their state. And so that makes it much more difficult to figure out how many people are carrying concealed. you got a CCW, which is a concealed carry weapons, it's a, it's a, it's a permit. I mean, you could pull those numbers, but they're not reflective of the overall numbers because, again, many states now are just going for constitutional carry, which means if you have the legitimate right and, uh, you know, you're not a felon or anything else to carry the firearm, then you can carry it. And so that would kind of skew some of those numbers. It's uh, that's that's part of the problem. Um, all right, let's go back over to the phones and see what you have to say this morning at 907-433-3150. Again, uh, this hour brought to you by our friends at Satellite West. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Oh, hello. Yeah, this is Art Johnson from Fairbanks. Good morning, Art. What's on your mind? Well, uh, it's been so convoluted. I love your Friday, but I was calling to find out how I can get a hold of my congressman. How you can get a hold of your congressman? Well, since your congressman, yes, since your congressman is currently deceased, um, there the best thing that you could probably do is call the office of the late Representative Don Young. Um, although again, we're not going to know for another two weeks who is going to be taking his place. Uh, but you, That's what I was afraid of, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it uh, it's going to be difficult, but can if you, you give me that office number, uh, Michael, do uh, you have the office number? I can see if I can find it real quick here for you uh, to, uh, uh, God to, bless you, man. To, to see where, uh, to see where it is. Um, let's see if I can find it for you. The Fairbanks office number is four five six zero two one zero four five six zero two one zero. That's the uh, that's the district four, office. Four five six zero two one zero. God bless you, sir. Yep. Thanks. I appreciate you calling. And I love your fire Friday, man. Well, thank, thanks so much. I appreciate you calling in. And being part of it uh, today, yep. and and sharing your sharing your thoughts with us today. 
Um, all right. Uh, 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. If you would like to sound off, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. And uh, we'd love to talk with you about, uh, you know, guns and things in general. I'd love to hear what you guys uh, uh, want to talk about. Ghost guns are in the news. And now, of course, you've heard about the ATF's new ruling on 80% kits and uh, some of the proposed changes. Uh, Those are going to be facing legal challenges. Now, for those of you who don't know what an 80% kit is, it is a block of aluminum or polymer that is uh, maybe have some it may have some index holes drilled into it or whatever, but it's basically just a block of material that you, as a hobbyist, would um, you know hollow out, drill, machine, and process into building essentially a lower. AR-15 receiver. That's what they call an 80% kit. Um, the The new guidelines that the ATF has just arbitrarily decided, no, nothing from Congress, no anything else, they just decided under their own rules, is that they're going to call that 80%, that block of material, they're going to call that a firearm. Even though it is not a firearm, even though it has no, cannot readily accept parts. It cannot be, I mean, it has to be machined. That's like walking into a, that's like walking into a Lowe's or a Home Depot or some other place where you can buy raw steel or aluminum pieces and say, all of this is firearms, right? That's what they're doing. That's essentially what they're doing. And now the gun control groups have really gotten into the mix. Gabby Giffords um, is now pressuring, um, the Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence, which is the organization of the former Representative Gabby Giffords, sent a letter on Tuesday to FedEx um, asking them to adapt a policy of refusing to ship dangerous firearms products that are fueling the epidemic of gun violence in America. Now, there's so much to unpack here. Um, I mean, the epidemic of gun violence I love how they always use these health-related, like it's a viral term. Um, UPS most recently announced that it would stop shipping packages from companies that sell parts used to make ghost guns, and they want FedEx to follow suit. Um, This is the kind of pressure that you're doing. It's this virtue signaling. It's all these games that are played out there in the public on this. This is a fascinating discussion. Uh, but if they start taking away your ability to, you know, ship stuff to, to, you know, although I have to say, I know lots of people who get their prescriptions through the mail and that's supposed to be illegal despite all those policies as well. I don't know if this is really going to change anything. I really don't. I have no idea at this point. Um, but again, this whole thing is going to be cha- is being challenged now by the Firearms Policy Coalition and Gun Owners of America and many other organizations as well. So I can't see how this is going to be um, I can't see how this is going to be uh, a long term deal that we're going to have to deal with. Let's just put it that way. All right. Um, we're going to have to go here. <clears throat> we got to go here. I got uh, I know I got Willie Waffle coming up. I want to get into that. Thank you for calling in this morning and being part of it with us. 
We're going to uh, continue with more. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Radio. Okay, we're in the break right now. Uh, we're going to um, oh, we're going to close the phone lines. Let's just do that right now. We're going to close out the phone lines because uh, we don't need them right now. Um, and we've got Willie. Actually, we got one caller on hold. Let's go over there real quick to see who this is. Good morning. Who's this? Where you call from? Good morning, Michael. Really quick, this is Bubba of North Pole. Hey, I thought you didn't. I thought you didn't let people advertise unless you endorsed the product. And there's an anti-con con advertisement that says, "Wow, that's a Michael show." Uh, oh, I don't. Con- no, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't control the commercials that are played locally in between my segments. That's not something that I. Okay. I don't. I don't control the local right. commercials. No. All right, no problem. I just heard that vote no, and I said, "Wait a minute." That yeah, a no, I. Yeah, I, I saw it come up on okay, the list. Buddy. So anyway, thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. No, I don't have any control over what I've never had any control over the commercials that played during the show. Um. I have control of the commercials that play within the show and on the fringes, but not those that play locally during that time. So, um, all right. I guess that means we're going to. Goodbye. Goodbye. We're going to close out the phone lines and get all that stuff uh, squared away. Let me uh, let me close all this out here so it's not affecting my world. Uh, boom. Look at that. Look at that. Got it all. Got it all squared away. Uh, all right. Uh, we, uh, we're we coming up here on Willy Waffle. Let me get back into the chat room to see what you guys have been talking about here. Um, uh, Gun Owners of America has a court case against the ATF. I just mentioned that. Yep. And I know that the Firearms Policy Coalition has got it as well. Epidemic. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Uh, criminals, you mean, your epidemic, you mean criminals out on the street shooting people illegally owning guns? Yeah. I mean that again, they keep using phrases like that. This epidemic of gun violence. Um, and you're like, what, what a policy of refusing to ship dangerous firearms products that are fueling the epidemic of gun violence in America. I mean, gun crime has gone up in the last two years. I think a lot of the mo- that has to do more with kind of the whole pandemic thing and everything else than anything else, because statistically, it's been on the downward trend for years, including record-breaking years of people and citizens buying firearms themselves. So I don't think that, th- and and again, the total numbers are what about the what about the medical malpractice epidemic? What about the drunk driving epidemic? What about the people being beat to death with hands, fists, and feet epidemic? What about the, I mean, again, we could just keep going on and on, but this whole idea of of using the term, ep- I mean, that's that's part of their whole thing is the language and epidemic and making it a health crisis. And, and we saw how far they were willing to push the health crisis stuff on this other thing, right? I mean, we know exactly what's going on there. So I mean it uh it's 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 pretty 
whoops, I apparently pushed too many buttons. Uh, it's pretty insane as to what uh, what's what's going on with that. Um, all right. Uh, let me see what else you guys got going on here. Yeah, this is old news from last month, but this is what GOA is going in in their case um, against the ATF. Um, GOA sue New York over new concealed carry restrictions. Oh, they're going to they're going to court over the uh, <laughs> the ridiculous scheme that New York has done. Uh, New York is, of course, uh, you know they they they've just got their their peepee slapped over the whole Bruin decision, and so instead they said, okay, well you can get a concealed carry permit, but reasonable restrictions. We're allowed to make reasonable restrictions, so we're saying you can't carry the gun here, 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 and here which pretty much covers the whole damn city. So you walk outside your house and you have the opportunity to, you know, commit a felony by walking through a certain street and being too close to some restricted area. You can't carry them on the subway. You can't do, I mean, we, we covered this with uh, uh, Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine. It's pretty insane, all the restrictions that they're putting on that. I mean, it effectively allows you not to exercise your right. Which I think the Supreme Court will go, yeah, that's what we were talking about. That's that's what we were talking about right there. Um, guns have become political. Friday is why I joined the Patreon, said Greg. Well, thank you, Greg. I mean, I'm not turning it down. I'm not giving it up. I'm like Rick Astley that way. I'm never going to give you up. I'm never going to let you down. Um, but, uh, I, I am surprised. Let me just put it that way. 34 people in the chat room. I am surprised that we don't have more people that care about their second amendment rights. It is the one right that allows all the other rights to exist at all. That is the truth. That is the truth of the matter. That's how it works. All right. We're coming down to, um, Coming down to, yep, there we go. We got to go. Uh, we got to jump back into it. Willy Waffle, phone is buzzing. It's time to get back into it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Here you go. Like and share. Like and share this video. Here you go. Okay, we're ready to go now. Uh, Diving into it. The weekend movies. The weekend movies. We got so sucked up into the entertainment news last week that we had to rush through the movies, and that kind of bummed me out. So we're going to try and pace ourselves a little bit better this week because we've got to talk about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, and the new Edris Elba movie as well. Uh, So we're going to... We're gonna we're gonna try and get to that here uh, before too long, but first we gotta welcome Willie Waffle to the program. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. Uh, you know, let, let, let's just tell them the truth. Last week the movies really stunk. Well, and there know, wasn't there wasn't much to talk well, about. I, I, yeah, I wanted to get to everything, everywhere, all at once, and we did. And so yep. I mean, it was, you know, but uh, yeah, no, but there was also a lot to talk about in the entertainment world. So, um, all right, I know you got some news stories, which I know we're going to break into. You're going to explain to me exactly what the Q rating is for yes. start. You said the Q ratings came out. Uh, and I was like, what the hell are Q ratings? So uh, why don't we start with that one? Just because I'm curious now. You got my curiosity peaked. 
right, so the Q ratings are a way to measure a star's, um, how well known a star is and how well liked a star is. And it's it's been traditionally used for, gosh, as far back as I can remember. And it's essentially, it's a survey of people from six years old and up, about 1,800 Americans. And, you know, typically in the top five to 10 celebrities that people like and that are very well known, right. it's Tom Hanks, it's Denzel Washington, it's Oprah Winfrey. And there's another guy who usually falls into that category by the name of Will Smith. <laughs> um, are you trying to tell me that Will Smith may have fallen off the top of the list here? He's been slapped out of the top 10. Yeah, oh. I thought that would be funnier. Yeah, I no, tried. that was good. That was good. Yeah, okay. said, okay, good, he, good, he, good, got, good. he got the smackdown. That's right. He got, he got the There you go. <laughs> he, so his positive score, so the score of the percentage of people who kind of like him and admire him and, and they would consider him one of their favorite uh, celebrities, went from 39% in January down to 24% in July. Okay, that's a significant drop. All right. His negative score, which keep in mind, the average negative score is about a 16. He went from a 10 in January to a 26 in July. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. But you know who's doing worse? Who's you know that? who's doing worse? Who's that? His, his wife. Oh. His wife. Oh. Her, she... her negative score went from 29%, which was already high, to Forty-four percent in July. Yeah, exactly. Because some some details came out about their life that was like, yeah, yeah. You know, you're not treating your husband quite the way you ought to be treating him, and everything. Anyway, it was it's a thing, right? You know. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, not surprising. I thought you were going to say like Amber Heard or something. You oh, know, no. yeah. You know, I got to look hers up. I bet hers is really bad too. Oh, I bet it is. <laughs> I bet in January it was probably mediocre, and by now. Now it's probably just in the toilet because oh, yeah. that woman is horrible. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. So the Q rating, and of course, now we can see and, you know, like we really care or anything. Now, last week we talked a little bit about The Flash, Ezra Miller. Um, yep. This guy who was apparently just, you know, arrested, uh, breaking and entering, stealing booze, going into people's houses, just weirdness. And he's finally admitted that he may need a little help. Yeah, it's amazing what will happen when your studio drops a $90 million movie into the back onto the shelf. And you're sitting there with a heck of a lot more controversy and a lot more expensive movie coming out. Exactly. Real soon. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. He and, may and, have and, had to rethink no, his life at that point. Well, and remember, what was the question last week? If they're dropping Batgirl and putting it on the shelf, why are they still doing The Flash with all the controversy around Ezra Miller? Well, he came to terms with that this uh, this week as well and announced that uh, he is seeking help for complex mental health issues. Okay. Well... I hope he gets the help he needs. I really do. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's obvious the guy's a hot mess. There's something going on there. So I hope he comes back with, I hope he comes back better. There you go. Well, I hope so too. But, you know, I mean, you know, here, here's the thing. So now when the movie comes out, he's probably only going to do like one big interview and he won't talk to anybody else. Right. And, and it'll, it'll be all about, you know, I, I went to rehab and, you know, 
How long did he go? Is he really better? I mean, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of questions. I mean, you know, you talked about some of the stuff that happened. There's some other more serious allegations about, like, maybe running a cult and maybe grooming young women. I mean, like, there's serious stuff out there yeah. about this 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 person. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I really hope that, that the help is there and that the help works because, Right now, this is a life that is going off the edge very, very quickly. You know, tell me again with Will Smith and Ezra Miller and all Amber Heard. Tell me again why we idolize Hollywood stars. I mean, tell me again, uh, you know, the Tom Cruise bouncing on the couch and doing the Scientology thing. Why? I mean, you know, yeah. why? I agree. I think you've seen that in movies. You know, the, the one of the one of the long running debates is. You know, wh- who who's a movie star anymore? Like, who's the who's who's a movie right. star that when you hear they have a movie coming out, you go see it no matter what? Like Tom Cruise is maybe like the last guy in that category. Yeah, no, it's pretty yeah. crazy. Um, all right. Well, speaking of Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, uh, who is still, even though he's vindicated, he's still having a hard time getting some jobs in front of the camera, although he just inked a deal with somebody for several hundred million dollars for something. But now he's got a gig behind the camera. Yes. So, you know, he is going to be directing a, a, now the, this, this is, you know, your career is kind of on the downslide when he's really excited. He's going to be directing a biopic about the Italian artist Modigliani. Okay. Which nobody knows who that is. So it's okay. No, no one knows. And Al Pacino is going to produce it for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and Depp's all excited because he's only directed once before. Back in the 90s, back in 1997, he directed this movie, The Brave, starring Marlon Brando, which was, by all accounts, a commercial and critical flop of historic proportions. Right, right. So I don't know if I'm getting all that excited about him directing a movie. Yeah. Now, he... Like you said, he did pick up a he did pick up an acting gig finally. Why he's going to start in a European film as King Louis the Fifteenth? Yeah, <laughs> things are not going well for okay, Johnny right okay. now. I'll tell you what though. Here's here's the deal. Johnny Depp can come back from this. Oh yeah, because you know you know who came back from this? Mel Gibson. Oh yeah, no. and, and yeah. he did. He did such, I mean, he did that Beaver movie and he was directing movies and doing like, you know, direct to video things that nobody wanted and just slowly, slowly, slowly built himself back up until he got an Oscar nomination yeah. a couple of years ago. Well, I mean, and Mel Gibson is a tremendous director. I mean, you know, Apocalypto yeah. and, and Passion of the Christ and, you know, and you're right. He did a bunch of direct video things, but he's still working. He's still working and he's worked his way back up. And I think Johnny... I think Johnny will be back. I mean, the guy is too talented of an actor not to come back. Um, and after everybody's kind of seen and unpacked everything that was going on and the accusations, you can see that mm, this there was some gaslighting going on somewhere on that deal. So we'll see how it comes out. But, uh, yeah, uh, it, it'll be good to see him back, uh, you know, finally doing something. Um, you've also got one other story before we jump over uh, some new story that uh, I've already forgotten about. What the, uh, That's okay. What the detail where you're going to tell me. Go ahead and tell me. This, this will be one of those moments that we will look back upon a decade from now. We'll go, that was the turning point. The moment they went around the corner. The moment that a new era began. Okay. In July... For the first time ever, streaming was the number one consumption 
of entertainment. Oh, over cable, over broadcast, over cable over and over broadcast for the first time ever. Oh, now, yeah. streaming had beaten broadcast before, but this is the first time streaming exceeded broadcast and cable. Broadcast consumption in July was about 21.6%. Cable was about 34.4%. And streaming was 34.8%. Yeah, I mean, I think you and I have been talking about this for years. This is where it's going. This is where it's going. People are cutting the cord. Of course, now you're seeing the screws being turned by the streamers, and now they're like, well, how do we get ads back in here? Because we got to make some revenue on this stuff. And and so you're going to see the prices go back up. And But, I mean, I'm still – I was paying $100. Forty dollars a month or something for cable when I had it. I had Dish Network cable, um, and I'm still paying half that right now. So I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. But uh, yeah, I think you're going to see cable and and broadcast. They're going to start to fade. Oh, absolutely. And I th- I think you know the big the big the big question will be, you know, how will a lot of these streamers do? if some of the main sources of their programming are gone. I mean, yeah. th- this is this has been broadcast TV's argument from day one. Hey, if we're gone, what are you streamers going to show? Because, yeah. you know, granted, they, they do produce a lot of original content, but not, not compared to like NBC. Right, not, right. Not, not compared to CBS. I mean, well, so you'll, I think you'll that see them shift. I mean, that's why you've got yeah. Peacock now. That's why you've got the, yeah. the Paramount, which is the CBS one. I mean, you'll see these things. I mean, this is what's going to happen. This is the direction they're going. They will be subsumed into the streaming platform, and that's how it's going to go. They'll still be over the air, but it'll be a, a shadow of its former self. Uh, it reminds me of back in the day. When NBC, it was around 1997, 1998, I never, I'll never forget this, when NBC one day said, why are we even an over-the-air broadcaster? Why don't we just become a cable channel and dominate cable? Yeah. And I was like, damn, they're right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not, it's a question, you know. That's what Fox did with FX and everything else. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they had it both ways. So um, let's move on. We got about two and a half, well, we got about three and a half minutes here. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about the new Idris Elba movie. Um, <laughs> it's called The Beast. Um, give me, give me the takedown here. This is maybe the classic, horrible summer movie you need it okay this thing is a disaster right it's it's idris elba and his two estranged daughters you know he doesn't have a good relationship with them and he's going to take them on this vacation to see his friend out in the savannah and they're going to go on a safari but there's a lion out there a lion that's angry that poachers took away his entire pride and he wants revenge and he chases any human being who comes close and he's got his eyes on idris elba and his daughters okay oh god it's so bad it's so bad bad. oh god yeah i mean first of all the lion looks so fake oh god this is some of the worst cgi you'll ever see and like his only move is like shocking you by suddenly jumping through the window or suddenly jumping at the car you're like oh my god the lion jumped but what really takes the cake is when idris elba goes mano y mano with the lion (laughs) and i'm not kidding for some reason, they want us to believe that he can box a lion. Okay. Uh, well, oh, okay. He is going to be James Bond one day, right? So I guess, uh, okay. Uh, negative one to four waffles on the beast. Hit me with it. Negative one. Oh, negative one. Oh my God. This is so horrible. How many years has it been since we had it? I think it was 50 Shades was the last time it was a negative one. Um, 
Ow. Okay, definitely not going to the theaters to see that one. Um, But the one I've been waiting on, because I've seen some of the trailers, and it looks pretty cool, is the new Disney Plus series in the Marvel Universe, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Yeah, Tatiana Maslany as this lawyer and cousin of Bruce Banner who gets into a car accident with him there. His blood mixes with her blood, and now she's She-Hulk. But she still wants to be a lawyer because that's her calling. And, you know, the the first episode really is the making of She-Hulk, if you will, like the origin story of She-Hulk. And there's a lot of interaction between her and Bruce Banner. And it wants to be kind of a snarky comedy. And it wants to have these setups and deliveries. And it really avoids any chance to get any real deep emotion. I mean, like like you can see Mark Ruffalo. He's, he's you, you can see it in his face like. This is where I'd get really serious and dramatic if it was my movie, but now I have to tell a stupid joke. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Uh, but, but it is know, supposed it to be kind so of a comedy. Much. It's supposed to be kind of a comedy, yeah. right? I mean, that's yeah, the thing, yeah. Yeah, this is this is not a serious movie in any sense of the word, or serious TV series, pardon me. Let's see where it's going. I'm kind of holding it two waffles right now, hoping that it gets better as we examine her life in the courtroom rather than just all of her contests with Hulk in this in this episode. Okay, yeah. So the beginning, this is just the build up. Only one episode has gone down. Is that the deal? Yeah, one episode. They're gonna do you know one episode for the next what, I think seven weeks, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I hate them so much for that um <laughs> that's okay all right well i'll wait for the whole thing to drop then and we'll watch it so two waffles now maybe we'll revisit here in three or four weeks and see where we come up with willie waffle wafflemovies.com thank you my friend appreciate you coming on board hey you got it we'll talk next week yes we will it's a promise it's a date oh man um i got a date all right i got a date the first time ever (laughs) uh thank you willie appreciate it folks we are out of time for today on monday well i don't know i'm working on some uh getting some of these more unknown politicians in and some of these names we saw in this primary that we just weren't aware of julie columbia and maybe some other ones we're gonna we're gonna work on that over the weekend see if we can make it happen uh otherwise it'll just be me and you on monday have a great weekend uh be kind to one another love one another and live well we'll see you then have a great weekend You know, uh, Willie, we were uh, we were talking about how streaming has overtaken uh, broadcast and everything else, but, and we didn't get to the story about Paramount Plus, which I think is doing a pretty good job. Paramount's actually got some good stuff on it. I've been uh, I picked it up to watch Yellowstone because they were the only outlet that had all of the Yellowstone episodes, but I keep going back to it. They seem to have more and different stuff that I'm really enjoying, uh, and now they're going to join forces with Walmart, uh, and this is going to be like I mean, is Walmart at the heart? of this thing or what well this is this is a great move i think for paramount plus i mean yeah i'm with you i i've I've really enjoyed all the star trek series that they've been bringing on i I think they've been fantastic uh you know they're bringing back beavis and butthead for people who are into that you know and uh you know walmart has a like a subscription service like they want they want to be like amazon prime in that sense and so like amazon prime well we need some streaming so if you have a Walmart uh, membership, uh, what well, it's it's yeah the Walmart membership program. I forget the Walmart name of it. Walmart Plus, right? What Walmart Plus? That's it. Right. Walmart Plus. You will get for free the lowest tier Paramount Plus um, streaming uh, subscription. So you'll automatically get 
the, the subscription with ads, but no local television. Mm. So essentially, you'll be able to see all the new streaming stuff, but not watch your local TV show, which I'll be honest with you. I, I the, <laughs> the only time I ever watch Paramount Plus to see local live TV is when I, I use a service to make it look like I live near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so I can watch the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, <laughs> don't tell anybody. No. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, that's exactly it. I mean, I, I haven't had live local television in 12 years, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I just, and I've not missed a thing. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's a fantastic play, a good opportunity. Um, I'm saying the more the better at this point, as long as they give me a tier that allows me to pay for it without ads. That's, I mean, that's what i want i don't want to watch ads i will pay you 30 percent more not to watch the ads i'm totally down with that well you know that that's what disney's doing to you yeah. i mean i'm i'm still cheesed off about this so you know you know disney plus in december december 8th is rolling out their their um their lower price tier with advertising for seven ninety nine, which is what we're paying right now for which no is what ads. We're paying now. Right, oh, exactly. Right. Oh, you don't want the ads? That's going to be ten ninety nine now. Okay. <laughs> I figure three bucks, three bucks a month. It will kill. I mean, I will be so agitated. Uh, three bucks is a cheap price to pay at that point. I mean, yeah, if, but you know what? This is what gets me. Okay, Disney has talked about this. Netflix talks about this a ton. They want to roll out the lower-priced ad-supported tier right. because they know there are people that just don't want to spend the full price. You know, okay. hey, we got we all got budgets, right? We all got we only got so sure, much paycheck, sure. and so you know, all of a sudden, Disney instead of rolling out a lower-priced tier that everybody who wants to get it can get it. Oh no, we're gonna real. What they're really doing is they're jacking up the price on people who don't want ads. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Yeah, they're ho- they're holding you hostage. That's what they're yeah. doing. They're holding you hostage. But oh well. I mean, it is what it is at this point. If you don't like it, suspend your Disney account for however long. I mean, I could suspend the Disney account for the next two months, and then I could go back and watch Kenobi and She Hulk together. You know what I mean? And so, and the Andor and, and the Andor, the Andor. by that time, Andor will be out and done. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, I, and I may do that. I mean, who knows? Cause I'm not watching anything else on it right now. So, uh, anyway, all right. What are we covering next week real quick, Willie? I've kept you too long already. No, that's okay. There's this stupid movie called the invitation and I'm really hoping I can find something else that's going to be much more interesting because that just doesn't sound like a great week. Man. It, it, and, it in the, and in the theaters, I mean, is stuff still coming to the theaters? Cause it seems yeah. like, yeah. I mean, you know, that that's coming to theaters. This beast movie is in the theaters. Uh, you know, August is never really a great month for, for new movie releases. Uh, last year was kind of just an, an anomaly when Disney decided to bring out uh, Shang-Chi on Labor Day weekend, which right. usually Labor Day weekend is a nothing weekend. But, you know, because it was a good movie, people actually went to the theaters. Go figure. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, now we're going back to this idea that, well, nobody really goes to theaters in August. So we'll put out the beast and we'll let Idris Elba box a lion. Okay, that makes sense. Nothing past Labor Day. All right. Well, thank you, my friend. As always, uh, it's entertaining to talk to you as an entertainment reporter. So what more could we ask for, right? Hey, that's all I can do. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Folks, we are out of time for Reels this time. Gotta go. Uh, Please like and share. Don't forget to subscribe and ring the bell if you're on YouTube. If you haven't done that yet, I'm still looking for that thousand subscriber mark. I don't know. Apparently, I have to get down on my knees and beg. 
for for 1,000 of my 35 or 3,800 followers on Facebook to please go over to YouTube and like and subscribe there. You don't have to watch it. You just go like and subscribe and then come back over to Facebook if you want to do that. I mean, if I, if I have to get down on my knees, I will. No, I won't. But please go over there and do it. Thank you for coming on board. We are out of time. We will see you on Monday. terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show